Good morning, Chapel family. It's so good to be with all of you. It's so good to be with those that might be joining us as well uh, online uh, today or at some point throughout the week. We continue to have many people that are just tuning in and, and uh, leaning into God's truth from afar, and uh, we're grateful to, that we can serve everybody in that way. A couple things we want to let you know about, uh, even for those that are online, you know, we're, we're challenging our whole church body to consider saying yes. Part of the, you know, we just sang those words, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the life that Jesus calls us to is a life like his. And I think of the scripture that says Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and the life that Jesus calls us to is a life of service. And we want to invite all of our chapel family this summer uh, to say yes. The question is, well, say yes to what, Todd? I mean, get, tell me the question before I give you the answer. Well, out in the, out in the atrium, you might have seen when you came in um, a little say yes display, a table right there in front of our Chapel Kids hallway. It's because we're inviting uh, you to consider saying yes to serving just one time for one hour at some point this summer. For 52 weeks a year, our volunteers that help in our kids' ministry, they serve week in and week out. They, they hold babies. They play with toddlers. They, they share uh, verses of Scripture, lead small group discussion, play games. And we just want to give those volunteers at least one week or, or two weekends off in the summer just for their own family vacations or, or whatever they have going on in their lives. And in order to do that, uh, it's an opportunity for us as the rest of the church body that maybe doesn't regularly serve in kids' ministry just to just say, yes, <laughs> like, I could help. I could help one time this summer uh, just to, to hold babies or to play with kids or to go outside and play, play a game of kickball or sit down in a circle and ask some questions. Our, our team makes it so easy for our volunteers. They just equip you and, and make it simple so that you can step in and make an impact in a kid's life. And we really need your help. Uh, out in the atrium, like I said, there's a display. And at the display, there's a little card. All you have to do is fill out the card. You're not, you're not committing in blood here yet. You're, you don't have to say the specific date that you're, that you're signing up for. But just show your interest. Drop it in the, in the glass jar. And then grab one of these Say Yes tags. And just put your name on it and, and put it on the board. That's not to, to prove something. It's not, it's not to highlight people. What it is is to say, listen... As we walk past that display, we know, man, look at our church family. We can count on them. They're saying yes. Last night, we had flooding at our Norwalk campus. And over, over 30 people showed up, and it was shop back city. I mean, it was so loud, it was almost deafening in the place. And our people just said yes, showed up, sucked up the water, and they're meeting there today. And, and, and that's, that's what a church, yeah, we can applaud that. That's who we are. That's a family living together, sharing life with each other, encouraging each other, serving each other. So we want to encourage you today when you leave, please consider just stopping by the table. There will be a volunteer out there as well, and you can ask questions, uh, but consider saying yes. Yes to holding a baby. Yes to playing some games. Yes to, to reading some Bible verses and uh, helping our kids take their next steps. All right? Thanks so much for, for jumping in and doing that. Let me uh, say, we are in the midst of a series that we started just a few weeks back in the book of Acts, which the book of Acts is really a, a history of the journey of the early church. And week by week, we're, ch we're journeying chapter by chapter. And, and so far, we've seen, man, 
miraculous things happening. Uh, the, God's Spirit falls down upon the people and, and miracles are occurring and people are empowered and emboldened. Peter preaches this message of great courage in a fearless way. Even after having been arrested for sharing Jesus, he couldn't help it. And the result of that, thousands and thousands of people responded and gave their lives to Jesus. And now the church, is, it's, it's growing, it's moving, there's momentum, it's thriving. And with all that growth, there's growing pains. There's needs. And yet, the amazing thing, we come to the end of chapter 4 of the book of Acts, and, and the needs are all being met. Why? Because the church lived out love and service and generosity. Those are some of our core values here at the chapel, to love people. Those are some of our core values, to live generously, to, to give to our church, our community, and our world. You see, the, the, the church that Jesus began in the book of Acts is the model for who we want to continue to be and become as a church. And, and like I said, there was great things happening. All the people's needs were being met. In fact, in fact, at the end of chapter 4, we see that people were so concerned for the sake of others that they were selling some of their own possessions in order to help other people in need. One example of that is at the end of chapter 4, verse 36 and following. And this is what it says. For instance, there was uh, Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. What a, great, what a great thing to be called, right? I mean, you can call people son of a lot of different things, right? But to be called son of encouragement. And what was it that Barnabas had done? It says he was from the tribe of Levi and from the island of Cyprus. And he sold a field that he owned and he brought the money and presented it to the apostles. He saw a need. He said, I want to do something about that. He sold some land, and instead of keeping the profit all for himself, he just gave it away. His generosity at work. And this is what was happening in the life of the early church. But when we step into chapter 5, we come to another part of the story of the early church. A sad part. Honestly, a, a tragic story that's included in Scripture for us. And yet, it's a story that I think has something to say to all of us here and now today. This is, Ephes uh, this is Acts chapter 5, and if you're following along in one of our chapel Bibles, uh, we'll, this is on page 878. I'll put some of the verses on the screen for us to follow along as well. But I just want to read the passage, and then we'll draw some observations and answer some questions together. This is what it says. But there was a certain man named Ananias, who, with his wife Sapphira sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming that it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. And then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan so fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourselves. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor 
and he died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some of the young men, they got, got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, Was this the price that you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. And instantly, she fell to the floor and she died. And when the, when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Verse 11 says, And great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what happened. Wow. A tragic story. And it leads us to asking some significant questions. Uh, questions like, number one, why is this story included in the book of Acts? Questions like, what critical factors led to this tragedy? And then finally, an all-important question for us, how can this story be avoided in our own lives? So let's start with that very first question. Why is this story even included in the book of Acts? Why would Luke choose to include this? Well, I think in part because the scriptures are honest. <laughs> They're real. The, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, it's, it's tucked away in the midst of the surging movement of the church and miracles happening and good things coming about as a reminder to us that we are all imperfect, that we are all flawed, that every church is imperfect. It's a reminder to us that in the midst of the highs, whether that's the highs of a church or the highs of your business or the highs of your relationship, that left to ourselves, bad things can happen. It's, it's like Luke, as an author, he's writing this screenplay and he includes all the parts to, to tell a, a much grander story. And yet this little story is a stark reminder to us. It's a, it's a warning. It's meant to be a deterrent. But that leads to uh, well, something that someone said years ago. He said every Christ follower needs three things. A, a high view of God, a low view of sin, and a right view of self. A high view of God, a low view of sin, and a right view of self. And yet, for Ananias and Sapphira, obviously, they had that all mixed up. And so it leads to a second question that we want to ask of the text, and that is, what critical factors led to this tragedy? And as I look at the passage, I, I can see at least three things. First, there's the heart. The heart of Ananias and Sapphira. Secondly, the involvement of Satan himself in the story. And thirdly, what was their view of God? And how did that affect the outcome? So let's think for a few minutes about that first part, the heart. Because that's really what this story is about. It's not just a story about money or, or giving or lack of giving. It's about what was going on in the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira. Look at what, what Peter 
what, they, what, what, what the text says here. It says he, Ananias, he had brought some of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Ananias and Sapphira, they, they, they kind of came up with this idea that, uh, man, they, they probably had seen Barnabas, and man, what a good example he had set. And he was so generous, and he had sold a field, and he had given it to the apostles, and perhaps people were cheering on Barnabas, and man, he was getting a lot of attention, and, and maybe they thought to themselves, well, we ought to do something similar. In fact, I, I'd like to be noticed too. And it says that they gave some of the money to the apostles, but they told the apostles that it was the full amount. You see, the issue here, and this is important for all of us, the issue here was not the amount of money. It was the deception that was involved. Ananias and Sapphira, they agreed together that they would tell the apostles that they were just, you know, giving it all. And, and remember, the text said, when Peter called them out, he was like, listen, the, the, the field was yours to sell and do what you wanted with. And the, the proceeds were yours to give or not give. The issue was the deception. Interestingly, the prophet Jeremiah says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I don't know if we know how bad it is. I don't know if we know how bad we could be sometimes. And the story of Ananias is a stark reminder of that in his wife Sapphira. It shows the deceitfulness of the heart. Their desire, uh, you know, to, to keep some back, but to make it look like they were all in and just giving all. And it, it begs a question in your life and my life. What could you or I be keeping back from God but faking it? And listen, it's a, it, it doesn't have to be about money or giving or finances. In what ways are, are we putting on a show of sorts for the approval or the attention of other people while truly in our hearts holding something back, holding something back in our relationships, not being honest, holding something back in our work life and, and sloughing off and, and making the boss think that we're, you know, really putting in the hours when we know otherwise. What are we holding back? You know, the number one thing keeping people from becoming a follower of Jesus is oftentimes Christians who do one thing, say one thing, and do another. Hypocrisy. And, and, and Ananias and Sapphira were, were trying to put on a show, and it was a matter of their heart. I said there's probably at least three things going on that led to this tragedy. Certainly, the heart of Ananias and Sapphira. They had deceived themselves. But also, Satan was at work. And this is how Satan works so many times. The word Satan means adversary. In, in the scriptures, Satan is known as the, the, the tempter, the, the, the liar, and the father of all lies. God's word says that Satan's 
like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. John 10.10 says, The thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. And Satan, what he will often do is take what's already in our hearts and just use that. I always say, listen, I don't even need Satan to mess up my life. I can do that well and good all on my own. And yet, when Satan sees the deception in our own hearts, the sinfulness of our own hearts, the pride in our own hearts, he will pounce on that and use it. And that is what happened in the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Look at what Peter says to Ananias when he calls him out. He says, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? That word fill there is the same word used in Ephesians chapter 4, where it says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, that's what we see happening. People being filled or influenced or led by or controlled by God's Spirit. And here, Peter says, Ananias, you've gotten it all wrong. You've let someone else lead your heart. You've let someone else influence your life and look at what has happened as a result. Interestingly, not just Satan that's involved in this story, but then there was Ananias and Sapphira's own view of God itself. Remember we said that uh, every Christian needs a high view of God, a low view of sin, and right view of self? Well, Ananias and Sapphira seem to have had a very low view of God. Again, look at the text with me. Peter, thankfully, he challenges them. He calls them out, which is what sometimes we as followers of Jesus are called to do with one another. He says, you lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Remember, it wasn't about the amount of money. It's that he lied. It was the deception. And who was he lying to? In fact, Peter says, listen, you weren't lying to us. You were lying to God himself. Which says that Ananias somehow thought he could get away with it. And you know what? Man, how many times have you and I thought, eh, nobody will know. Ah, God's so loving and gracious. We can get away with it. And it happened in the hearts of Ananias and Sapphira, and it can happen to us. Peter later goes out and he, he calls out Sapphira as well. He says, how could the two of you even think to conspire to test the Lord like this? You see, Peter, as many mistakes as he had made, he knew God's grace and forgiveness, and he didn't want to take advantage of that anymore. And he saw it happening with Ananias and Sapphira. He says, how could you even do this? It had to do with their view of God. They didn't look God, at God as a holy, righteous God, but they looked at God as a hassle. His plans, his ways were going to get in the way of what they wanted to do, of their own selfishness, of their own sinful attitude. And they had a low view of God. And it caused them not to show respect and reverence and awe. So I want to ask one last question as we close our time together. And it's a question for all of us to very much answer in our own lives. Because if this story was included in Scripture to challenge us, to deter us, 
to warn us? What can we learn so that this story, this kind of tragic story can be avoided in your life and in my life? I think there's a few answers. Number one, we need to have some honest conversations. Real honest conversations. Can you imagine how this story would have changed if when Ananias came to his wife and said, hey, I got an idea. Let's, let's, sell, let's sell, sell something and sell some property and, and, and let's, let's take it to the apostles, you know, and, it, you know, people will notice us. And, but, hey, let's not give it all like, you know, that Barnabas guy. Let's, you know, some for ourselves. But let's just tell them we're giving everything. How it would have changed the story. If, if Sapphira would have said, Ananias, I don't know. That's not the right thing. We need people in our life, whether it's our spouse, a close core of friends, somebody in our small group, people that can speak truth into our life even when it's hard to hear. Otherwise, left to our own devices, man, we can all totally blow it. How it would have changed things if there had been some real, honest conversations for Ananias and Sapphira. A second thing that we could do to avoid this in our own life is to ask ourselves, what am I keeping back? What am I keeping back? In what areas of my life am I living a facade? I, I might look the part, I might act the part, whether it's in my marriage, whether it's in my work world, whether it's in my church. But I'm living a lie, and I'm holding back. I'm, I'm, I'm causing people to think that I'm just all in for Jesus and integrity and righteousness. And yet, deep in the recesses of our hearts, and in some of the decisions that we've made, or in some of our actions, it's a fraud. We need to ask ourselves those questions and ask ourselves those questions often to ask God to seek our hearts. A third thing is to choose our source of influence. It's so interesting to me in the text that when Peter calls Ananias out, he said these words. He said, why have you let Satan so fill your heart? which says that Ananias had a choice in the matter. Which says, you and I, we have a choice in the matter of what is going to influence our lives. Are we going to let the truth of Scripture uh, influence us, lead us, guide us, control us? Or are we going to let selfishness and pride, sometimes our own deceitful heart, or the enemy of our souls himself influence us and lead us down a path, a path that ultimately leads to destruction. Choose your source of influence. Be careful of who we surround ourselves and what we take in on a consistent basis. And then finally, we've got to keep a high view of God. You know, I imagine that it's, it's most likely that Ananias and Sapphira were followers of Jesus. They were part of this flourishing early church. 
And maybe they had some good intentions and they wanted to be generous and they wanted to help and they wanted to give. And there was nothing wrong if they wanted to keep some of it for themselves. The issue was the deception and the lying and, and the, the putting on a show. I imagine that at some point in Ananias' and Sapphira's life, they had experienced God's love, His grace, His mercy. It's what drew them to become part of the church. But somewhere along the lines, they started taking God's love and grace and mercy for granted. They forgot all that Jesus had done for them. And they let selfishness creep in and pride and the approval of people. And it led them down a tragic path. The same thing can happen in your life and mine. If we, if we start to have a low view of God, and we, we start to only treat Jesus as our you know, loving Savior and friend, which He is, if we only treat Jesus as just merciful and gracious, which He is, but we need to re be reminded that He's also a righteous and holy judge. We need to be reminded, for, as the book of Hebrews states that our God is a consuming fire. To have a right view of God. Remember, at the end of the day, what every Christ follower needs is a high view of God, a low view of sin, and a right view of self. Here's, here's the amazing thing. If, if we're here today or we're watching online and we realize that there's some, there's some hidden things in our life there's some things that we've been holding back or we've been putting on a show of sorts. We're still here. We're still breathing. We have an opportunity. In Jesus, he is holding out his arms of love and grace yet again so that we might not have to live the same tragic ending that Ananias and Sapphira did as a warning, as an exhortation to us to come back to Jesus, to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with others, and also, as the book of Hebrews says, to find grace in our time of need. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word, and thank you that it's honest and real. And it includes not just the highlights, but it includes some incredible low points. And Lord, all of us, like Ananias and Sapphira, we are susceptible. We're susceptible to sin. We're susceptible to our selfishness. And God, I pray that you would watch over and protect us. God, I pray that we would hear, heed your warning and your exhortation. And I'm so grateful today, Jesus, that your word says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though, Jesus, even though you know who we are, you know where we faulted, and you know where we will yet blow it, Jesus, you still laid down your life for me, for us. That is incredible grace and mercy. May we respond to it with honesty of heart 
with a wholehearted commitment to surrender all of who we are to you. To that end, we pray and ask for your help and mercy. In Christ's name, amen.